Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty, rock and roll in hour number three of our radio program. That's right. It is the Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. It's crazy. Only three weeks left of the NFL regular season. Before you know it, we'll be in conference championship weekend and then the Super Bowl in the middle of February. And now joining us from the NFL Network, one of their best reporters, James Palmer, kind enough to jump on board the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. James, my friend, always appreciate the time. How you been? I'm good, man. I, I saw you in the flesh recently, huh? How about that? <laughs> yeah, we were uh, seated right next to each other in the press box. Actually, when the Philadelphia Eagles were were used to winning games uh, the long oh, yeah. uh, weeks ago, now uh, they've lost three in a row, so I guess we took all their good magic away from them. But I'm concerned <laughs> about the Eagles right now, and I think team chemistry, which was so rock solid last year, has become an issue with this team uh, this season. It's an interesting skid. I, I mean, I still think they win out, um, but I thought they were going to win out before this game started. Uh, and I thought that's where things were going to be. But when the change happens, uh, you know, moving Matt Patricia into running this defense, I was doing the game in New England um, against, uh, you know, the Chiefs and Patriots and, and talking to people on the sideline. Uh, you know, the Chiefs were kind of interested. You know, the Patriots kind of like, does this sound, seem like they're panicking a little bit? I'm like, maybe. Because, like, you know, specifically from Kansas City's side, they're a team – that obviously has some issues themselves that they're trying to work out. But we've seen them, Zach, over the years, right, just try to slowly right themselves and fix their mistakes through December. And then all of a sudden the postseason comes around. And it used to be on the defense, right? Like defense would start slow, spags would get them going, and and there was never any panic in that building. There's still actually no panic in that building. And I find that kind of interesting when you look at them compared to who they faced in the Super Bowl a year ago in Philly. And there's kind of the sense around the league a little bit of like, is this a – kind of a panicky move like are they nervous and but you look at the issues on defense and you brought up the thing in terms of you know where they stand I, they just look like they've gotten older like really quickly uh specifically at the corner spots and I think that's exposed more mainly because they're not getting after the quarterback the way they did last year I mean James Bradbury and Darius Slay I know Slay didn't play in this game but those two didn't have to cover a whole lot last year <laughs> they didn't cover very long because when you get 70 sacks and you have literally like an A squad and a B squad getting after the quarterback, you, your secondary doesn't have to play very long. And now they're having to play a little bit longer because the guys up front are playing way more snaps. I think that's another part we're seeing, especially guys that are even younger, like Jordan Davis and and Jalen Carter. They're playing a lot more snaps than they're used to. And I think that's affecting them. Linebackers a spot that's an issue. And I think we're just we're overlooking to wrap this part up is like they lost two really good coaches. 
I mean, like Shane Steichen's in the conversation for coach of the year. Yeah, he's my he's favorite. He's my pick right now with what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's been incredible with what he's doing and what he's working with uh, in Indianapolis. And and you can say the wins aren't there, but if you watch these games, like that's a physical team that plays hard for Jonathan Gannon in Arizona with not a whole lot of talent. So I, I think you are seeing a team that lost both coordinators that had pretty big roles. I know Gannon was complained about a lot in Philadelphia for some reason. Um, but Shane Steichen was brilliant with that offense. And we've seen, you know, a dramatic change there because they're too talented to be doing what they're doing. James Palmer here with us. So we know the 49ers are the team to beat, not only the NFC, but the entirety of the NFL. You look at the Lions, the Cowboys, the Eagles, they all have good records, but we don't feel great about their chances of having to beat the 49ers come playoff time. Out of those three teams, who do you have the most confidence in to get the job done up against the Niners? I mean, I look at the way the Lions played this past weekend, and, and they were a team that was kind of starting to skid. And, and we talked so much about momentum. I just brought it up about the Chiefs in December and how big that is. Them riding the ship, I think, was huge because they probably played. You look at the teams that needed to get their mojo back. It was kind of Miami, Kansas City, and Detroit, right? Those were the three teams this past weekend that needed to get it back. Detroit played the best team of the three in Denver, a team that was hot, a team that had a good defense, and they just whooped them on both sides of the ball. And, and so, you know, I, I always do fear, though, a team that hasn't really been there before. Um, I know Philly has the pelts on the wall to play late, and we know that their coach doesn't, as I brought up panicking earlier, usually doesn't panic. Their, their quarterback <laughs> doesn't panic. Um, but so, I, I, you know, you would usually pick them. But I look at Detroit, and if they fix their, their issues – I, I, they have so many different pieces. And I was talking to some guys with the Broncos, and they were just like, they have four rookies that have the chance not just to be stars in this league, to be superstars in this league. And two of them on offense and two of them on defense. And and as those guys continue to get better in the league, honestly, I mean, I, Detroit is getting really dangerous. And I look at the team that's headed in the right direction out of the ones you mentioned with Dallas and, and Detroit and Philly. I, I kind of like Detroit right now. Talking to James Palmer right now. So you brought up the Broncos there for a second. I know that you live in the Denver area as well, and you're in that facility quite often. What's the truth between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and where their relationship is at through year one? You know, I, I think there's a, there's a lot that they've had to learn about each other. And I think there's a lot uh, that's had to be tested in terms of patience. Um, I think that's something that doesn't exist uh, with most of the fan bases and the media around the NFL. It just patience isn't something that happens in the NFL. And I think we saw that the way their season's gone. Like, they needed to learn a lot about each other. I, I don't know if they love each other. I do know that they've figured out a working relationship with one another. I mean, I do think they've figured that out. I think they've figured out how to make this offense work. Uh, I think that's a testament to Sean. I think that's a testament to the entire offensive staff. Davis Mills has played a big part in that as well in terms of finding ways to, to make this work. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, personally, I don't know how their relationship stands. Um, what I do know is Russ is unbelievably competitive. Uh, I, I know Sean is the same. Uh, I know they will do anything, specifically Russ, after the season he had last year, anything to win games in this season. Um, but you can tell. I, I think there's plenty of instances and we've talked about this at NFL Network, and I've had people around the league tell me. I mean, there are things that Sean has drawn up that Russ hasn't seen, and it probably frustrates him. Um, and it probably frustrates him from time to time because he's drawing guys open, uh, and there have been guys open. Um, so we'll see how this thing continues, but I do think it's a testament to both of them because they both have adapted as this year has gone on to make this offense 
work in a very odd way. It, it seems like there are a couple that like just got married and after like six <laughs> or seven months of marriage are already in couples therapy and we're like, okay, they still love each other, but there's issues and we're trying to see if this marriage will actually have some life to it instead yeah. of just having a divorce. Well, the good times years. are really good. Yeah. The good times are good right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was love at first sight. That was about yeah. it between those two. Uh, getting yeah. back to Kansas City, just since you were around them and you did their game this past weekend, um, is that support that they have for Kadarius Tony genuine or is it just more so, guys, we have nothing else. We just got to work with what we have. I think it is genuine. This is a, this is a strength, and this may sound contradictory to what we've seen on the sideline the last two games. But Patrick Mahomes, I'm told by a number of people in the building, has had remarkable patience with what's gone on with that receiver group. Um, they knew going into the season that their identity was going to change. They were well aware of that. Um, they were well aware that the you know the way that they were going to play offensive football was going to change, and they were looking for that player to slide in and really take advantage of the attention Travis Kelsey gets like Juju Smith-Schuster did a season ago. And the thought was that was going to be Kadarius Toney. What we're seeing now realistically is that's Rasheed Rice. And, and that's that's the player that, when I talk to players in that building, believe is the guy that's going to be the one to step into that role. And, and you've seen it in Patrick Mahomes. And we've seen the way Mahomes has played with who he trusts and who he doesn't really have all that much trust with, and he's working on it. But behind the scenes, yeah, the, the, the patience hasn't worn out, I would say that. I would say the intensity and the urgency from what I'm told from Mahomes has definitely increased the last two weeks from what it was in the first portion of the season, whether that's he's finally fed up, he's pushing guys maybe in a different way. What I have been told is the way he has handled this has been phenomenal uh, during the week in meetings, the encouraging sense that he has with these guys, because he knows this is the group he has specifically when the trade deadline came and went and they didn't, like, they didn't pick up the phone. Like, and so once that happened, I think he knew this is my group and this is, I, you know, I have to support this group. But I think we're starting to see a little bit of a change in who they put on the field that past game in New England. The tight ends used a little bit more, you know, in addition to Kelsey. You know, you saw where the targets have gone the last four games. I mean, heading into that game, Rasheed Rice was his number one targeted receiver each of the last three games. And then this past game, he has nine catches for what? What do you have, 91? So I think we're seeing that he, he's just going to start looking, looking elsewhere. And you know they also need back, and, and I know sometimes, right, we dumb it down and we only look at quarterbacks and we only look at coaches and, and things like that and like a star tight end like a Travis Kelsey. But not having Pacheco as of late is a massive loss for That's, that team. That is part of their new – I mentioned a new identity. Like running the football is a new portion of their identity. Like season. outside he of Kelsey is, and Mahomes, he's the only other player that would intimidate the only me other if player. I was a defender. He is the only other player. Like the Bills, when they were going into Arrowhead, and I was talking to people in Buffalo, it was – we are concerned about Kelsey and Pacheco. That is who we have to stop. That was more they found out he wasn't going to play in the game. But that was that was their focus. Like, and, and he runs so hard. He is really the biggest part of their offense, I think, with the way Kelsey is getting defended of late. He is huge to the way they play. Now, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a decent game. He made an unbelievable catch Great in the end zone. Yeah. But he, he, he isn't Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and he isn't the physical runner that they are. Specifically, if you look at the way they're built, Zach, like their their best part of their offensive line, obviously, is the three in the middle. They're fantastic, and Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Joe Tooney. That's a that's a great trio in the middle, and that's who they run behind, and that's where Pacheco goes, and that's where they pound the football on people. And we've seen them stick with the run more than Andy Reid has in the past. That's because of Isaiah Pacheco. Is Belichick back in New England? And if not, where is the hoodie? This is being there on Sunday and just like with all the buddies I have there, 
just it just seems like this is not going to be easy, however it happens. I just don't, you know, when it gets to this point, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It seems like nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen because let's break down the scenarios. Like if they bring in somebody to run personnel above him and it's even somebody he knows, does he respect he won't be happy. that person? He won't be that happy. Even if it's somebody he, he, like Thomas yeah. Dimitrov or Dave Ziegler comes back. That's it. It's a wrap does, then. Do, do, they, do they still really have the final say or does Bill really have the final say? So did you really change anything? And so if you end up parting ways, um, I know Robert Kraft would really want a pick for him, if that's the case. Um, and then that limits maybe where you end up going uh, and where he ends up going. But also I look at it like, what is he, 71, 72? Like, that's another thought I think other teams would think about when when they're starting anew with Bill Belichick. I don't think and it so, makes sense, James, for him to go to a spot where they're rebuilding. Because he could rebuild exactly. right now, and it's going to take three more years, and who knows what he's going to want to do at 75. I've been saying this since October. I don't know if the team's ownership will do it, but the Chargers make a ton of sense. Yeah, and that would be the opposite of what the Chargers have done of late, right? It has been young coaches. It has been guys coming in with a lot of energy, and they're getting their shot. And the sense I get around the league is it's going to be the opposite this time around. Like, there's a core there of really good players that are now starting, if you look at it, like to get older, like Joey Bosa is 29. Like the, the group's starting to get a little older and the group, the core there, you know, Bosa and Derwin James and Keenan Allen, they're all getting a little bit older and, and they're all have injury issues too. Like, you know, you have the quarterback in place. Um, you have some major decisions to make. And I think the chargers would want a veteran coach to make those decisions on altering the core that you have and how you're going to move forward with this team. I, I think there are enough people around in the league that are like, this is a really great spot. I mean, this is probably what Sean Payton wanted yeah. uh, a year ago in terms of the place to land. And it's like, Justin don't Herbert make that mistake phenomenal. twice because they punted exactly. on firing Staley. They passed on Sean Payton, and here we are. They just fired Staley, mm -hmm. and now you have another legendary coach potentially available in Belichick. Exactly. And I, and I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, culture is such a big thing that they need to establish there because I think we've never really, we've looked at the roster and been like, there's talent here. Like, and, and it hasn't happened. Somebody like Dan Quinn could come in, who's been tremendous in Dallas in terms of building his side of the ball. There's guys on the offensive side of the ball that rave about him and love him. And then, I don't know, maybe you keep Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator and he's maybe developed something with Justin Herbert and, and you bring DQ in to, to do it. I mean, I, I just think it has to be the thought is it's somebody that's been around um, whether it's Harbaugh, whether it's Belichick, whether it's, you know, whether it's DQ um, it would make some sense, but it, this just sounds, you know, when we talk about build a rap to bring it back, like it just, it, I don't see this happening very smoothly and no matter which way it is in all the business deals, Robert Kraft has done in football and in his businesses, this might be the most sensitive and, and the most difficult to navigate. You mentioned Harbaugh. Do you, if you had to take a guess right now, back at Michigan or in the NFL next year, James Palmer? Well, as a Buckeye, I want him out of Michigan. Um, <laughs> he's lost three straight. Uh, <laughs> so that part's bothering me a little bit. Um, but I, I do think, you know, don't worry, you have a great quarterback league, next year, right? Yeah. We don't have a quarterback <laughs> yeah. right now, uh, I actually. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know who's going to play in the bowl game. Um, but, like, it just – with the way he sniffed around the league last year, um, I just sensed that he'd be, you know, eyeing to go back. And there might be some decent spots uh, available. And so I, I do think he kicks the tires on the league again. Now, how about going with this Ohio State trend? 
Justin Fields next year with the Bears? Is he back or is he not? Because I see both sides of this. Like, you keep him, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr., you have Marvin Harrison Jr., DJ Moore, and then I see the other side. I still don't know how great he could be, and there's not many years left on that contract. Yeah, I think that's it. I I had this discussion with Steve Weish on our show. I, I think he could play himself out of Chicago by playing brilliantly down the stretch or playing poorly. Wow. Like both ways, like because if he plays really, really well, this is where they can get even more capital if they decide to go quarterback at one with that Panthers pick. And they say, and this is if they fall in love with like Caleb Williams, right? And they just fall in love and they go, we, this is what we want. It is not Justin Fields. There are going to be teams that are going to be interested in Justin Fields. I heard Atlanta wasn't interested in the past, but if I was Atlanta right now, I would be interested in him. Thousand percent. Um, you know, I think that's a really good fit for them, specifically if Arthur stays there and, and, and just keeps his job. I think he fits actually what they would do. And so I think you could develop more more, more capital to build around your new rookie quarterback if he plays well. His value is even higher. And if he plays poorly, well, then that even makes your decision even easier. But I do think when you ask around the league, like this kid has not been given a real decent shake of it in terms of how it's gone for him already. I, I've had conversations with Matt Nagy about it, and, and he has unbelievable talent. And we've seen flashes, and I think we've seen the Bears play actually really good football, specifically that defense has turned a corner. And and what would he be like with some more talent around him? And he, he didn't lose that game on Sunday. I mean, they had that game. Well, there were some, there were some nasty drops. And so, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a really tough decision Ryan Poles is in. And I think what's the deciding factor is if they fall absolutely in love with somebody in the draft, then that makes it easy for you. You know what I mean? If you just know this guy is who we want over Justin. I know he won't be the number one overall pick because it probably will be Caleb Williams, depending on where he goes. That's a different conversation like we're having. It does feel like, though, the best player in this draft right now, months away, is Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, it's, and it's not even a question. It's not debatable. I've, I've, had, I've had more than one receiver coach in the league Tell me, if he played in the NFL this season, he would have been a top five receiver in wow. the NFL. That's where that is where he is viewed by the guys who coach the position in the league. Like he he makes it look so easy. And I've talked to all of these receivers. I've had a conversation with Jackson Smith and Jigba, tremendous catch last night, by the way. Um, and I've had a conversation with Garrett Wilson about this. Like all of them rave about each other. Chris Olave was in that room. Jamison Williams was in that room. They all say Marvin's the best receiver out of all. And when do you usually see receivers taken in the first round, specifically receivers, where the way they think about themselves, openly admit that the other guy in the room is just hands down better than the rest of them? Doesn't happen. You know? No. Not, not Especially that at that position. How many times do you hear <laughs> guys say that they're the best receiver in the league and it's like, no, nah, you're good, but you're not better right. than X, exactly. Y, and Z. But those guys know, yeah. like, if they said any different, and they're phenomenal players. Chris sure. Olave, Jackson Smith, they're all first-round picks. Garrett Wilson's an unbelievable player. They all know they're like, I'm lying through my teeth. Marvin is the yeah. best player out of it. And he has everything. That's the other part of it. I know we look at this, and we probably don't look at this as much with other positions publicly as opposed to the quarterback spot in the draft process. We look at everything from, you know, character and work ethic and where they come from, how they're made up, all of that stuff with quarterbacks. It's dissected ad nauseum. And for some reason, we don't talk about it enough with some other players. Like his work ethic is through the roof. I, I was there for their pro day. He has like he works on a jug machine that he doesn't even need a quarterback. It, it has routes dialed into it. Wow. He runs the route. It, it goes to him like his work ethic is unbelievable. It's probably the only thing that beats his talent. Which is like a, a, an a unreal statement. combination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coach's I mean, dream. Steve's, 
Hey, Steve Smith and I were there together for the pro day, and and Steve was talking to to Marvin Senior because Steve that was who he idolized. He idolized Marvin, and Marvin said to him straight up, he's like, he is hands down better than me. Wow, and it's Marvin not even said that. Marvin said that. Wow. I mean, obviously, maybe a dad's going to say yeah. that about their son, right? Like I knew, but yeah, sure. But I don't know Marvin if you meant that though. If your dad incredible. this early, I, I don't know. I don't know if you do, but he was like, he's better than me, he, I, and I and I know it. Last thing, and, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last thing I'll ask you, James Palmer, who's always great, who joins us from the NFL Network. It's the Zach Gilb Show on CBS Sports Radio. My Super Bowl prediction right now, I changed it on Monday. It's the Buffalo Bills going up against the San Francisco 49ers. What is your Super Bowl prediction? I love that. I mean, I love that. Can we just chat? Instead of my prediction, we just chat the Bills right now. Like, like I know it's the it's the cliche right now to say nobody wants to play the Bills. And last week, by the like, way, because I've been telling this to everybody, I got them after that win against Kansas City plus a thousand to win the AFC. That's when I made the bet. Dude, I, I, I thought that when I was at that game in Philly and they came up short in overtime. I was like, I, back then they lost that game, and I was like, I don't think anybody wants to play this team if they get in. Like they run the ball so well. They, they have a guy that can just win games himself. And now they've just won two games with Josh really not having to do much. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, they beat the Cowboys and Josh Allen, I mean, didn't have to be Superman. He didn't even have to be Clark Kent. I don't even need to know to get out of bed. Like, it was, he didn't have to do anything. And so I, I think that's a, that's a really cool pick because if you look at the way this shakes out at the end, if they win out, and they can totally win out, or let's just say they win their next two games, which are definitely winnable. And Miami loses one of their next two games, which are both difficult. They'll be going down to Miami in Week 18 for the for the division Sunday night, probably. and that puts them yep, and that puts them in a great spot to where they could be playing in Buffalo, which is where nobody wants to go in the postseason. So it's actually not a completely insane pick because I mentioned those teams at the beginning of this that need to get their mojo back. I think we do have some things with Kansas City we're still curious about. Turnovers are still an issue. In Kansas City, offensively, whether they're Mahomes' fault or not, the turnovers are still happening. The penalties on offense are still happening. And then in Miami, I do like that they won a game without Tyreek. Um, but you saw two weeks ago them play without Tyreek, and how different did the offense look? That was and, and and how yeah. And so I, I do have questions at the top of the AFC. But the one team like that I don't really, for some reason, have any questions about is Baltimore. Like guys get hurt in Baltimore, and we don't even seem to be concerned. Like you know Just what I mean. Like other teams are healthy. They only need as Lamar long as healthy. he's healthy. Exactly. Like that's the way they're built, and we way we've seen them play through injury with other other players on this team. Like Ronnie Stanley goes down. Everything. Like, ah, like they lose. Like Marcus Williams. Like yeah, <laughs> no I mean, they'll deal. still win, right? Like they'll still win. Like and that I think that's the sign of a really good team, right? I think it's the sign of a good team that's deep and well coached. When you can lose major players, like you lose your running back to an ACL who's playing really well. I know he's a young player. You lose Mark Andrews and 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 your, your offense isn't missing a beat. Like for us to just be so cavalier about like, yeah, the Ravens are good. And if they lose so-and-so, I think they'll be fine is a testament of really, I think how good they are. He's James Palmer from the NFL network. Always love our conversation. James, great to see you a few weeks ago. Appreciate the time today. Yeah, man. What's in person next time? What do we got? We got anything coming up? Are you going to make any trips? I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I, I've, I've not looked okay. at I'm going to the uh, national championship game. The Buckeyes will not be there, but I'll be there. Oh, God. Bless. I'm <laughs> back on game day morning with eyes and appreciate it. <laughs> Catch you later. There he is, James Palmer from the NFL Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.